Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Spring has sprung. Any uh, Broncos or Lions fans in the building? A few? Okay. So yesterday, my day yesterday was five hours of sport from 5 p.m. till 10 p.m. Brisbane Lions to the grand final, Brisbane Broncos to the grand final, and God's favour is on Brisbane. (laughs) It's the place to be. Well, today we're continuing our series, which is called Adventure of a Lifetime. Adventure of a Lifetime. And actually, the inspiration for this series came from one of my sons. Now, I've got uh, two sons, and one of them is seven years old. And my seven-year-old, he is a boundary pusher and a line crosser and a deal maker, okay? Nothing wrong with that, but that's just his unique God-given wiring. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, last week, he had a... a a giant splinter in his, the middle of his foot. Not just a little splinter, a giant splinter. And so we're, we're there and we said, look, mate, we're going to have to get this splinter out. And he said, what do I get for it? <laughs> and I said, I'll, I'll give you an M&M, okay? And he said, hmm, it's a pretty big splinter. What about a full block of chocolate? And I said, how about we get it out so that you don't have to go to the hospital? <laughs> Last week as well, we were shopping for my daughter, I took the shopping for her birthday. We were in Sports Girl, um, buying her something. And this same son comes out with lipstick on. <laughs> and he says, Dad, it said, try me. <laughs> Right, So he's a boundary pusher and a line crosser. And as I said, there's nothing wrong with that. That's his God-given wiring. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me, I think it was last year, and said, you're going to need to challenge him with adventure. Because if he gets the impression that life with Jesus and being a Christian is just about following rules... It's just about turning up to church regularly, which I advise, and there's good reasons for that. Then he's going to get the wrong impression about what Christianity is, and he's going to think it's boring. And so what can happen to him and what can happen to all of us is we can define Christianity with what I call compliance Christianity, right? So here's compliance Christianity. Compliance Christianity is all about rules. Is that coming up on the screen, Compliance Christianity? All about rules, right? And it's about things that you can't do. All right? Even, you know, there's, you've got to stop doing this. This is bad and you've got to do all these things, right? It's about do's and don'ts and it's about behavior modification and even about morality, Now, I'm not saying that those things are not important or not important for us, but this is not the nature of Christianity. And if you define Christianity by compliance and what you can't do, 
sometimes we will look to push boundaries and we'll push boundaries to what I call over here the kingdom of comforts. All right, we will look to seek and push against the things that we can't have and the things that we know are bad but have pleasure and a kingdom of comforts is the kingdom where we are the boss and we orientate our life on doing what pleases us. Right? It's very appealing and has very awesome short-term pleasures attached to it. There's no denying it. Now, we also know that eventually it begins to kind of damage us and, and split apart relationships and, and drive a wedge between us and God. But what can happen is if we just define Christianity with compliance, we can look to push boundaries, to cross lines, and look to head into the kingdom of comforts. to seek excitement, to seek pleasure. And in that case, we have defined Christianity by the things that we can't do, and we define it as pretty boring, right? It's pretty boring. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. But I want to talk this morning as we start about adventure Christianity. On the other um, end of the spectrum, here we go to the next one here with adventure Christianity. Yep, keep going there. What we see is we have the opportunity to actually push boundaries and actually cross lines and use all the creativity that God has placed within us and all the faith and we look to take different kinds of risks and the kinds of risks that advance the kingdom of God, the kinds of risks that bring light into dark places. So I want to encourage each and every one of us that God has created us to push boundaries. He's created us to cross lines, but he's created us to cross lines so that we can please God, so that we can bring freedom to people, so that we can bring light in darkness. And this is what God has called us to do. God wants us to take Godly risks. He wants us to take godly risks. And you know, another word for a godly risk is faith. That God has called each and every one of us to live a life of faith. And the title of my message this morning is called The Attitude of Adventure. Why don't you say that to the person next to you? The Attitude of Adventure. Who knows that your attitudes matter? Now, our attitudes are what they describe. One way to define it is our settled beliefs or thoughts or feelings towards something. Okay, so think about this. Think about a cement mixer. It's got this wet cement in it. And once you pour that cement, over time, it starts to set. So what we find is that our attitude towards something or someone or to circumstances is actually the settled beliefs and thoughts and feelings about that thing or that person, right? And you can have a, a good 
attitude about someone, all right? I've got my friend Matt sitting in the front. I've got a good attitude towards Matt. He is an awesome guy. He love yeah, give it up for Matt. He is a great husband and dad, a good friend of mine, loves Jesus, loves our church, and I have a good attitude towards Matt. I just think he is awesome. I'm so glad that he's in my life. And when you have an attitude towards someone, there is a lens and a filter by which you see that person and that set of circumstances attached to them. That's a powerful thing. Do you know that a plane, every plane, has an instrument, one of the most important instruments, and it's called the attitude. Did you know that? The, the attitude. So what the attitude is in a plane is the position of the nose and the wings. Wanted to do that. <laughs> the nose and the wings in terms of the natural horizon. So if the nose is pointing up on the attitude, you are going to soar. If, the, if you're tilted on the attitude of the plane, you are going to go left or you're going to go right or you're going to go down or you're going to go up. You know, the same way for us, we probably don't realize it, but our attitude is determining where we go probably in some ways much more than our circumstances. Because we know that two people can be in very similar circumstances and faced with very similar issues in life, but one person can soar and the other person can dive. And sometimes, and a lot of the time, maybe more than what we realize, that is based on our attitude. Have you ever been around a person with a bad attitude? Sometimes... When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, or is that just me? Right? We need to understand that sometimes we can have a bad attitude. Sometimes we can have a sour attitude. Sometimes we can have a bitter attitude. Sometimes we can have a fearful attitude, and maybe not about all of life, but maybe about a certain pocket or situation of life. And we need to be aware of the effect that our attitude has on us, but also the people around us. Now, the good news is for us as Jesus followers is that we are actually invited to have a different attitude and we have the power to change our attitude. That is good news. And so to live a life of adventure, for us to push in, to the kingdom of darkness and to take faith risks, we need an attitude of adventure, which is an attitude of faith. Now, this morning, I want to talk about a story uh, with a guy by the name of Jonathan. So Jonathan was the son of the first king of Israel. He was the son of King Saul. And at this, the time of this story, he was grown up and he and his dad were part of a fighting uh, a group of fighters. They're, in this particular story, there were 600 fighters. Now, they were fighting against the Philistines. The Philistines were oppressing them. The Philistines were um, coming in and, and raiding their crops, their plants, spoiling all their plans, oppressing them. And the Philistines had actually worked out this 
pretty interesting strategy. And the strategy was this, to make sure that they didn't have access to weapons. So they put a ban on blacksmiths so that the blacksmiths couldn't make swords and spears. So in this uh, group of people, they were mainly farmers. Of the 600, only two had spears, King Saul and his son Jonathan. And so this is where we pick up the story. Now, the Philistines had set up strategic strongholds and geographical strongholds in the area in order to control the territory. But Jonathan, he had an attitude of faith and he had an attitude of adventure that wanted to see freedom, that wanted to push against oppression and see a breakthrough for his nation. You know, that's what we want to do. That's part of our role as Christians. We're not fighting. The Bible says we don't fight flesh and blood. So please don't leave and kill anybody. That's not what I'm talking about. Or do violence to anyone. What we're talking about is in the spirit, we want to see breakthrough. We want to see light in the darkness. That's what we named our, our church after. City lights, light in the darkness. Now, Jonathan and his armor bearer sneak out. And we're going to pick up the story in 1 Samuel 14. And there's a photo coming up. And this is the photo of the area that's described as I read this. The pass that Jonathan was planning to cross over to the Philistine garrison was flanked on either side by sharp rock outcroppings. Cliffed, cliffs named Bozes, which is on your left, and on the right is the other one, center on the right, and the cliff to the north faced Michmash, and the cliff to the south faced Gibeah. So the Philistines had set themselves up. This is probably the exact place that this was happening, a roundabout. And they'd set up strategic military outposts. And here's what Jonathan says. This is amazing. He says this, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come now, let's go across to these uncircumcised pagans. Okay, very personal description, but he says, maybe God will work for us. He says, maybe. Maybe. I think I'd want a little bit more than a maybe, wouldn't I? If you're saying to the armor bearer, let's go across, they have the high ground, there's only two of us, there's a lot of them, he says, maybe. Would you want more than a maybe? Now my question is, is this a statement of faith? It doesn't sound like a statement of faith. It sounds like a lottery ticket. It sounds like something else. But as we push into this statement, we see some more information. He says, maybe God will work for us. There's no rule that says God can only deliver by using a big army. And no one can stop God from saving when he sets his mind to it. Do you see the attitude? Do you see that he wants to push some boundaries, cross some lines? He said there's no rule. 
There's no rule. And here we see a maybe, and we've got to realize that everybody has a maybe when it comes to God. Everybody has a maybe. There's no way to approach God without a maybe. Do you know why? We don't see him. We don't understand him. There are parts of God that is a mystery in the most wonderful way. So we don't see him, we don't understand him. And everybody has a maybe, but here the maybe was not could God do it. The maybe was not an if. The maybe was a how and when. Jonathan was convinced that God had the power to do it and he was going to do some something. He just didn't know how and when. And sometimes we can have the maybe that says, I don't know if God can do it. That's the wrong maybe. God wants to lead us into a different maybe. And the maybe is, I don't know how God's going to do it, but maybe I could be part of it. I don't know when God's going to do it, but maybe it's today. Maybe it's now. I don't know who's going to do it. Maybe it's me. And I think this is really important for us to have a mindset and an attitude of faith. And here's what we need to say. That faith is an attitude that is open to God and indifferent to circumstances. Have a think about that. This is what we see demonstrated here with Jonathan. He was open to God. And he was indifferent to circumstance. Do you know sometimes we get that the wrong way? Sometimes we're indifferent to God. Sometimes for some of us, we're like, I have no need of God. Even sometimes we can fall into that pattern as Christians. Like, I'm just going to, like, I got the salvation thing. I got the heaven thing sorted. But I'm just going to do life myself. That's an indifference towards God. We need to have an openness to God to say, God is going to move God is wanting to move in my life and God is wanting to move in my life for the purpose of setting other people in my life free for advancing the kingdom of God. And we need to be open to God and indifferent to circumstance. Do you know that faith is risk? And one of the risks is this, that we give God over the plan, that we hand over the control of the circumstances and the timing and the mechanism of God doing what he wants us to do. Do you know, I think sometimes if God showed us his plans, we would probably pick holes in it. Who would do that? I would probably do that. I would say, look, it's a pretty good plan, all right? It's a starting point. Thanks for collaborating with me, God, on it. But like, why would you use that person? Or how are you going to do that? I don't see that happening. And we can close off to God. Do you know that faith is not imposing our will on circumstances? Do you know that's different to being open to God? It's not even imposing God's will. Faith doesn't impose itself. Faith works with life. 
within us and with the people around us. I think we should think about that, right? Because some of you think like faith is like, Arr! it's not. Faith is the life flow of God to create things in the way that he chooses to. And I love this. He says, no one can stop God when he sets his mind to it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you have that as a headline for your circumstances? That when God wants to do things, I don't have to stress about it. I don't have to make it happen. I don't have to put it on a Gantt chart or a spreadsheet or a timeline. But God is going to have his way and we get to be a part of it. Do you know that sometimes we can exclude ourselves from adopting the new attitude because of our personality? You know, we've got optimists and pessimists. And some of you say, look, I'm, I could think about this, but really I'm going to leave that to someone else because I'm not an optimist, I'm a realist. I heard this this story about an optimist, and uh, he fell from a twenty-story building. And he was twenty-story building. He's falling down. He gets halfway to the tenth story, and someone calls out the window and says, "How are you going?" And he says, "So far, so good." It's not a true story. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh." <laughs> That is not optimism, that's blind optimism, and that's not realism. But what I want to say is that faith is an attitude that is grounded in the reality of God. I want to encourage those who are realists, and all of us should be realists, that we can be... a realist by looking at our circumstances, or we can be a realist by looking at God, by saying, God, you are the great reality of life. You hold the universe together. You hold the power of the world. You created the world. Think about this. Have you recently gone out into nature where you can't see anything that's man-made and not wonder who created it with such intricate beauty and the fact that it functions together so well. And we need to ground ourselves in the reality of God, not the reality of our circumstance. That doesn't mean that we are blindly optimistic or naive or that we ignore the reality. Listen to this scripture from a guy by the name of Abraham. He was given the promise to be the father of nations, but it was a physical impossibility both for himself and his wife. His wife was barren. He was too old. They couldn't have kids. And it says in Romans chapter 4, 19, it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. We get a clue and insight into the nature of faith. Nature does not, faith does not deny facts. Faith is not opposed to facts. And faith is not opposed to reality 
but it imposes the reality of God on the current circumstances. Let me say that again. Faith is not opposed to reality, but it imposes the reality of God on the current circumstances. So for you to have a life of faith, for you to have faith vision, for you to have an attitude and posture of faith, you don't have to pretend like things don't exist. You just have to welcome the presence of God and you have to allow your spirit to be energized by the reality of God. And this is what it means to be open to God and indifferent to circumstances. Where do you need to be open to God? Right now, what situation are you facing? What circumstances are you facing that you like, I need to be open to God? I need to be open to God. Are you seeing both the reality of your circumstances and the reality of God? Or are you just looking at your circumstances? How are you allowing the bigness of God? It's not as though your circumstances are not real. It's just that they become small. They become tiny as we lift our vision, as we have a posture of life and faith. So we keep going with this story. It says, His armor bearer said, Go ahead, do what you think best. I'm with you all the way. And Jonathan, ideas man, here's what he says. Here's what we'll do. We'll cross over the pass and let the men see we're there. If they say, Halt, don't move until we check you out, we'll stay put and not go up. But if they say, Come on up, We'll go right up and we know God has given them to us. That will be our sign. So let's go back to this picture here. In this picture, this is pretty much the location, right? To the top of this hill, that's about 400, over 400 meters. So most likely uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer are standing at the bottom looking up. People are calling them. And Jonathan says, if you call me up from the low ground to the high ground to climb up, I know that this will be a sign from God. What kind of signs are you and I looking for? I would be like, when I send the flare and the airstrike comes down, this is how I know it will be a sign from God. When the angels of heaven wipe out these people, this is how I know when I get an elevator or a chair or a hot air balloon or something, when I get a weapons upgrade, that's how I know. Because remember, only Jonathan has a a spear. But Jonathan knew something else. Jonathan knew that God was with him. That was his sign. That was his sign. And faith is an attitude 
that doesn't equate God's way with the easy way. Now, I'm not saying that God's way is the hard way. I'm just not saying that you can determine whether it's God's way, whether it's the easy way or the hard way. You determine whether it's God's way because of the presence of God and because your understanding of the reality that God is with you. And yeah, there's some risks, but it's not necessarily the easy way. I know many, many times in my life when things haven't been going in the way that I've wanted, I've interpreted that as perhaps I was out of God's will or out of God's plan. Has anyone else done that? Yeah. Of course, we do it all the time. When things aren't going easy for me, I must, God must not be with me. It's just simply not true. If things are going hard, God must be with me. Simply not true. We've got to understand that God's presence and he calls us and he asks us to step out and we take steps of faith in obedience to him. But I want to encourage you, if you're just waiting for things to be easy, for you to step out to do what God's called you to do, maybe for yourself or maybe for others, there's a whole bunch of other things you need to think of. The sign. The sign is not an easy way. Verse 11, it says, So they did it, the two of them. They stepped out into the open where they could be seen by the Philistine garrison. The Philistines shouted, Look at that. The Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then they yelled down to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come on up here. We've got a thing or two to show you. And Jonathan shouted to his armor bearer, Up, follow me. God has turned them over to Israel. And Jonathan scrambled up on all fours, his armor bearer right on his heels. And when the Philistines came running up to them, he knocked them flat, his armor bearer right behind, finishing them off and bashing their heads in with stones. Why did the armor bearer do that? I know it's very graphic. It's a historical event. He didn't have a weapon. It's brutal. This is war. We're not in a natural war. We're in a supernatural war. And God has called us to have an attitude of adventure and to position ourselves so that we can see victory. You know what happened this day? Jonathan led this whole event was a catalyst for God to move both supernaturally as a result of this and to bring freedom to that entire set of land. Can I tell you, and can I really encourage you, and I mean this sincerely, that each and every one of you is called to be a bringer of freedom, starting with you, that God has called you to take steps of faith that allow your life to be free 
from darkness, from sadness. He's called you to be free. But also, He's called you to be someone who fights for others. Do you know this is incredible? The incredible part or one of the most incredible parts of the story is that of the armor bearer. You know the armor bearer in this story? He just kept saying yes to someone else's faith ideas. He said yes to a maybe. He said yes to interpreting climbing up a hill over 400 meters as a sign that God was with them. Isn't that amazing? Do you know I believe that that is one of the distinctives and features of our church, that we would stand alongside people who have an idea to bring faith and life to a situation and circumstance. Isn't that a powerful thing? That sometimes someone will come up to you and they'll say to you, They'll say to you, look, I need a breakthrough in this area. I'm believing. I've got a need in my life. I need a breakthrough in this area. Would you stand with me and pray? Do you know what that person needs in that time? They need your faith. They don't need you to pick holes in their plans. They don't need you to lower their expectation. Because if they've come believing for a breakthrough and a miracle, they just need you to stand with them. And say, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to believe. Why don't you stand to your feet? Faith is an attitude that's eager to part, partner in a miracle. Right now, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes, bow their heads. And if you're here and you need a miracle, either for yourself or for someone else, I'm going to put my hand up. I need a miracle. I need some breakthrough for some people in my life. I need some breakthrough for our church. So I'll be the first to put my hand up. If that's you, would you put your hand up? No one's going to ask you what that is. You don't have to tell anybody. God, all over the room, we just thank you. All over the room, we just thank you for the opportunity to partner with you in the supernatural. For the opportunity to partner with you to see miracles, to see freedom, to see life where there was death. What I'm going to get everyone to do, right? Keep your hand up. Just open your eyes and just stretch out your hand towards somebody near you. Just look around and just pray over them. And just have an attitude of faith towards them that say, look, I don't know what's going on that person, but I believe that they're going to see a breakthrough. That miracle. We're going to lift the attitude of faith we're going to point our nose up like the plane does 
and we're going to soar and we're going to say, God, we declare in the name of Jesus for breakthrough. We declare in the name of Jesus for your kingdom to come. Lord, we declare, we push against the boundaries. Lord, there's no reason that you can't do what you want to do. God, we pray that you would fill hearts with peace. Lord, that you would bring freedom even right now, that you would release miracles in this place. Lord, we believe that you are big. We believe that you are God. We believe that there is nothing that can hinder you. And we want to see your presence in our lives. Just quickly before I go, I want to provide an opportunity for anyone here who's never made that first step to accept Jesus into their heart. Jesus is the miracle maker. And here is what Jesus believed with his attitude of faith. He believed that even though he would die as a sinless, fully human, fully God, that he came to earth, even though he would die, that God would raise him from the dead. And believing in Jesus, believe that he is God, that he came to earth, he died, and he, was, he rose again. And by that power, he can dwell inside us. He can actually bring us peace in our very beings and he can restore our relationship with God. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to lift up your hand or do anything. But if that's you and you want to join in with me and say, yes, this prayer is something that I've prayed, you can do so. God, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the way to heaven. He is the way to God, but he is also the way of life for every day. And God, in the name of Jesus, any person who wants to accept the gift of God, the gift of salvation, we just thank you that it's freely available to them. Forgiveness of their sins. They can be forgiven. They can also forgive themselves through your power. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.